Howdy, partners. I'm Cody, and we are back with another episode of Misery Manor. I'm Emily. Could you sound a little more excited? <laughs> well, you didn't like the way I did it before. And make sure you leave your manners at the door. Hola, señoritas and señoritos. Um, so, not much to say, but I will say this. I have another creepy story for y'all. A lot of people loved the Watcher episode, which, if you haven't listened to it, go on over there and listen to it. But basically, it was about a house that received these crazy, eerie letters in the mail. Um, so, I like did some investigation. I was like, I need to find one. That has that same like creepy stalker squatter vibes mystery. mystery. So I found one. And this is going to be kind of a cutie little shorty one again. So okay. perfect for your drive to work, home from work, in the bathtub, taking a big old shit, whatever you want to <laughs> do. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a 20 minute shit. But hey, some people are clogged. It happens. It happens. So here we go. What, did you have anything to say? <laughs> kind of just took over oh no i mean rate review subscribe send us any of your creepy stories yes. like this or like town lore like if you like live in a small town like and there's like a creepy guy down the street yeah or because we in my hometown we have this like road and people call it sarah jane road uh-huh. and like there's like eerie stories behind uh-huh. it which are so creepy so yeah we could totally do an episode of everybody's like weird shit that happens i mean we in- had a guy that walked around kingwood and he would like go into stores and i mean he clearly had mental disabilities and i was a stupid high school kid and we called him beetlejuice but not to his face <laughs> beetlejuice i love it beetlejuice beetlejuice Beetlejuice. All right, so without any further ado, let me get into this, honey. Let me get into it. So, this episode is about Daniel LaPlante. Does that ring a bell? No. Does that ring a bell, though, that name? Probably not. So, he was born in Townsend, Massachusetts on May 16th, 1970. Now, Daniel, sadly, he had a very difficult upbringing. So, while growing up, he lived with his mother his stepfather, and his two brothers, Stephen and Andrew. Their house was said to be overrun by filth, stray animals. It was just disgusting. The community that they lived in, like, exiled them. They referred to them as, like, gross and, like, the creepy, scary house that looked like it was going to fall down. Um, Sadly, Daniel suffered from sexual and physical and emotional abuse growing up. Um, His stepdad was very abusive in every single way to him. Um, And so because of this, he, like, because of the traumatizing abuse, he had a lot of issues in school. Um, He was by no means the ideal student, could give two fucks about making good grades, did not respect the teachers at all. Um, He was not the boy next door. So, sadly, though, he also suffered from dyslexia. Like I said, made horrible grades. He had 
horrendous acne. He did not give one shit about his hygiene. He never showered. People said that he was just greasy. He was grungy. What about the brothers? He would wear the same, just, I don't know about the brothers, but he would wear the same thing to school every day. Just disgusting. He did not care one bit about his appearance. And you know when you're in high school, like, that's kind of like the counselor's job to come in and be like, oh, honey, like, Mm -hmm. no one helped him. So he was just coming to school. People were making fun of him, but he really did not give a shit. So the kids Mm. thought of him as gross, spooky, strange. They all outcasted him. He sat at lunch by himself. Um, He was just weird and strange. Now, there was reports of people like, you know, like going up to him to try to be friends and he would say something really creepy and like off-putting and they'd be like, okay, never mind. So like, like you were in high school, kind of. No, baby, I was popular. Okay. So teachers were very alarmed by his lack of motivation and care and he was set up to see a psychiatrist to help him with whatever he was going through. So the Shit. counselor was like, okay, let's get you a psychiatrist. So, Because you need the drugs. <laughs> right. So they find him a psychiatrist, and Daniel starts to see him on a regular basis, which they were all like, okay, good. He obviously yeah. is going. He's showing up. He wants the help. Um, so he confides in the psychiatrist, um, tells him about all the sexual abuse that he's been going through. The oh, psychiatrist God. takes it in, and he starts sexually abusing Daniel, too. Fuck me are you serious seriously over and over again monster so that continues but daniel gets out of it so during this time he was also diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder wait yeah hyperactivity disorder which i looked up it's a mental health condition um with short-term attention span hyperactivity and socio-occupational dysfunction so like adhd basically but it's like a higher level of adhd but it doesn't have the a Again, okay. I have no fucking clue. Would you like to call the WebMD? <laughs> I have no clue. That's what Google said. So the neighbors described Daniel, again, as scary, gross. And they were like, he's always alone. Like, I've never seen him with anybody else. It's the like, same neighbors. Right. That okay. the family, yes. So, um, which, like, obviously he's a loner because nobody has shown him any ounce of, like, Well, you love. said a few people would at school. But, like, the people, like, his parents, the te- like the psychiatrist that he but he doesn't know. know how to be right around and like it's not a high schooler's job to know that right like, exactly how to deal with that so because of all this it was not long before daniel started a life of crime as a teenager <sighs> so daniel started having a lot of fun he would break into people's houses and steal their belongings um but by the time he was 15 he had a pattern so he actually did not like stealing their stuff after a while. He loved breaking into homes, rearranging their furniture, and like, you know, knocking over the TV or like flipping the table upside down and leaving. He had so much fun with that eeriness that they would walk in and be like, okay, who's been in here? He loved it. Okay. It was a thrill mm-hmm. for him. And he told multiple people that he loved the mind games. Okay. So after doing this for, for quite some time, Daniel met this girl. So no one's really sure how Daniel was able to get in contact with her, but a lot of sources think that when he broke into someone's house, he saw a picture of her and was able to get her phone number, like the house landline from being at the home. So he called the home and he called the Andrews family. And so in this family, it was Brian and his two daughters, Jessica and Annie. Um, Their mother had sadly just passed away from cancer, um, but he was very interested in Annie. 
so no. I already hate this so, so much. Danny called Dan Daniel called Annie and she answered the phone and Daniel was like, "Hey, I got your number from someone that you go to school with. I don't actually go to your school, um, but I I know that you're super pretty. Um, you know, I I would really like to get to know you." And she was like, "Okay, well, tell me about yourself." And he was like, you know, I'm blonde, I'm muscular, I'm athletic, I'm a jock, I'm the captain of the football team. And she was like, okay, yes, thank you, oh, Jesus. There's a, there is a God. She was like, holy fuck, yes. But as we know, he is completely lying. If you remember how I described him earlier, he's like the total fucking opposite. So he was catfishing her before catfishing was really even a thing. So, like I said, Annie was stoked. She would tell all of her friends that she met this guy. He's a jock. He's so hot. She loved chatting with him. Like, and so they decided to meet in person at a coffee sh- or at an ice cream shop. Oh, God. So Annie told all of her friends, she was like, I'm so nervous, like, to meet this super hunky, sporty, blonde, like, jock. Um, so she's waiting there for him and he shows up and she's like, what the fork? This is not who you said you were. He was like, hi, I'm Daniel. And she was like, can you talk like he would? I don't fucking. I don't know. (laughs) So he showed up and he was like scrawny, greasy, dirty, shy, like horrible. So she was like expecting you, but got me. Right. And oh, (laughs) fuck you, bitch. No. So Annie, but luckily Annie was like not a bitch about it. And she stayed and she talked to him. But so she was like, you know what? We did have good conversation. So we have that going for us. Cause I mean, you can't really fake that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was like, you know what? I'll just give it a try. But the date went horrendous. So they started oh talking God, and Annie, smell. I know. So they started talking and Annie told Daniel that her dad worked a lot because sadly her mother had just passed away from cancer and he's now a single parent just trying to support Annie and her sister. Mm-hmm. And Annie obviously is like very upset about this conversation and she kind of starts to cry. And um, instead of Daniel like comforting Annie and like making her feel better to like try to take her mind off of it. Dan- Daniel Daniel was really interested in the details of the mother's passing. Oh Daniel God. wanted to know exactly how Annie felt the moment her mother took her last breath. And he was very intrigued on um he wanted to know exactly how much the mother had suffered he wanted to know the the details of her pain like how bad did it hurt when this happened or what did she express well the first thing you said to me wasn't too off putting because i feel like he's never loved anyone and he's never been loved yeah he's so like, maybe oh he's like what did that feel like mm-hmm. but uh, yeah but the pain like he was in, very intrigued by the pain that she went through so and he wanted to know the details about that so she was like, uh, no, I don't like this. So she went home and she was like, I'm never going to see him again. But she was like visibly still Smell upset. Smell you later. Right. Literally. She went home and she told her sister, she was like, I'm just like, after that date, that was horrible. I'm so sad. Like, I'm really missing mom now. Like, she was like, I thought I was like finally getting over it. And like this huge wave of like emotion just hit me. And like, I'm really missing mom. So this is where things get really weird. Annie you know, went back and told her all of her sister this and they decided that they wanted to go down to the basement and hold a seance to try to get their mom to talk to them. Now they're young and they're like seventies. They're like, I let's just see if it works. Right. Okay. So they go to the basement when, cause remember their dad doesn't get home until late, late, late. So they're yeah. home alone. So like they do this seance, um, 
but like not much came from it and they're like okay let's just go to bed but they were still a little bit spooked about what they had to do to like yeah. make it happen and so they heard or and they had some occurrences it said that they heard like noises but like typical like flickering movements and they were just kind of psyching themselves out so they went to bed um and the girls started hearing knocking on the door like oh my god stop and they were like do you hear that do you fucking hear that and um and and it's coming from like inside one of the walls stop so the girls they weren't scared though they were like oh my god we're communicating with mom they're young so they start asking the mom questions like you know one of the questions said that they were like, um, are you in heaven? Knock once. And it would be like, you know, do you get to watch over us? Knock twice. So that kind of stuff. And they're like, do you think your neighbors can hear you? I don't give a shit. So they were like, oh my God, we're talking to mom. Like they were really, really, really excited. So the first few nights that it occurred, like I said, they were so, so excited. They were like, oh my God, we're talking to mom again. But then the knocking became like, more frequent like even when they weren't asking questions to them like during the day he would start like whatever it was would start knocking like the ghost were they doing the ouija board every night no the seance it was a seance they didn't have a ouija board um no they weren't doing it every night so they just thought they summoned her spirit and she just was chilling yes and that's why they're freaking out because even when they're not trying to talk to the mom the knocks are coming through Okay. And they're like loud, and like this time they're sounding like more aggressive, and they're like this. This cannot be mom, because like they were like she's sweet, she's fragile. Like I don't think mm-hmm. she would be like knocking the walls down. So then the girls immediately were like, I think this is something like dark and like more sinister, like something oh, like even potentially like demonic. So Brian, their father, was like pissed. He was like, I would come home every day from work. The house would be in shambles. Things off the wall. Um, things spilt on the floor, furniture moved around. And every time he co- confronted the girls about it, they were like, we didn't do it, I promise. And he was like, well, then who fucking did it? Like he was, and then yeah. he later was like, I thought that they were doing it because they needed attention. They didn't have their mom anymore. I was at work. He thought it was like a cry of attention. So he yeah. felt bad, but he was like, there was nothing at the time I could do about it. Like, so he, um, so Okay, so one night in January of 1987, the knocking sound started again while Annie and Jessica were at home alone when their father was working. Okay. So the noises this time sounded like it was coming from the basement as opposed to upstairs in the walls. I don't like that. So um, they were freaked the fuck out. The two girls went into the kitchen and they both grabbed a knife and they headed to the basement to check and see what was going on. They turned on the light and there was a message written on the walls in blood. And it said, I'm in your room. Come find me. That's a lot of words. So the girls immediately started crying. They ran out of the house crying hysterically to the neighbors. And the neighbor's like, oh my gosh, I'll call your dad. So Brian got to the house. He was livid. He thought the girls were acting out, you know, trying to get attention again. So he was like, you know what? Enough's enough. You're going to fucking therapy. And he was like, I was just trying to be a good dad. I didn't know, like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's absurd to believe, right? So, things did get quiet for some time after the therapy started. And Jessica and Annie were relieved because they were scared to go to sleep or, like, be home alone. Um, so, the dad was like, oh, yeah, therapy's actually working. Then shit got real again. The girls heard knocking again. But it wasn't in the walls, and it wasn't in the basement. This time, it was coming from inside Annie's room. Stop. So the girls heard it, and they're like, do you hear that? 
again, Brian's at work. And they go, I have to go home by myself. Listen, so they were like, okay, do you hear that? We need to go upstairs. They go upstairs to investigate, and there was another ro- note written on the wall, and it said, I'm back. Try to come and find me. Written in blood again. That's a lot of words to be written in blood. So they came, so they ran to the neighbor's house again. And they called their dad, and Brian was like, what the fuck? This, like, literally, and the neighbor was like, no, 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 no. I promise you something is going on over there. These girls are shaking. They cannot form words. You need to come here. Like, something bad is happening over at that house. So then he's like, oh, no. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm going to, like, so he comes. He scopes out the house. He, he went inside. And, like, the girls, he was like, what does it look like inside? So the girls were like, you know, nothing's misplaced or anything. Like, we just heard knocking. But when he showed up, everything was destroyed. Things were missing. The TV was up loud, like, all the way up. And some of the TVs had white noise coming from them. So it was loud, like, hectic. So, like, if someone was scurrying around, he couldn't you hear. Um, and the TV was pulled out. And the furniture, like I said, was moved. So he went up to Annie's room where he said that, where they said that they saw the writing on the wall and he went in and he saw it. But this time there was a huge picture of Annie on the wall with the knife (gasps) stabbed through it and next to it in small print in blood, it said, marry me, question mark. And he was like, what the fuck? So he turns around to call the police and there's somebody standing there. Oh, Cody. Somebody standing there. It was a boy dressed up in their deceased mother's wedding dress. Cody, you were lying. Swear, with uh, makeup smudged all over him. And she was going through chemotherapy. So he had one of her blonde wigs on. And he was like, oh, and he was holding a hatchet in his hand. So Brian, the father, immediately tackled him. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> he immediately tackled this guy. And took the hatchet out of his hand, but the guy ran, okay? He runs out the house. So, he escapes. Brian's like, holy fuck. Calls the police. They start carrying out an investigation immediately to figure out where the fuck this squatter could have been hiding. Well, they don't know he's a squatter at this point. Right. Well, I'm... Okay. So, he's a squatter. Um, So, after hours of searching, they found exactly where he's been hiding. In a fucking crawl space behind a cupboard in Annie's room. Ah. So they pull the cupboard out and they go in to these the uh into the crawl space and they get in there and there's tunnels leading all throughout their house. There's holes in every single one of the walls that he could peep like in the bathroom. Ew. In the bedroom, in the basement, everything so that he could see. Oh my god. There was food, there was beer cans, there was wrappers, there was clothing. He had paint. Uh, what? Poop? Poop? I don't know. go to the bathroom? I don't fucking know. Um, he had Annie's and Jessica's belongings in there with him. Like I said, peepholes in every room so that he could spy on them. Oh my god, I hate this so, so much. So after investigating and investigating, they were able to catch the intruder. It was Daniel LaPlante, the one that Annie went on the date with. Well, obviously. He was arrested, but spent no time in jail. What? Like, very, very little. As soon as he they released him, uh, he started breaking and entering and stealing from people immediately. So, we're going to get into something. Wait, else. he's a minor, right? Yes. So, he didn't have to go home? He went to juvie. He doesn't have a home to go to. He's, like, literally oh, like a squatter. Yeah. So, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I can't get over that. Here's where it takes another turn. So, in... So, again, he's out of, or out of jail, juvie, and he continues his crime. On November 1987, 
he broke in and stole someone's two handguns from a neighbor. Neighbor, And then a month later, he broke into a house of the Gustafins. So this family consisted of a pregnant wife and mother, Priscilla, who was a preschool teacher, Andrew, the husband, father, who was uh, who worked at a nearby law firm, and they had two young children, Abigail, who was eight, and William, who was five. On December 1st, 1987, Priscilla picked William up from his babysitters at 1 p.m. before returning home. Mm-hmm. And then at uh, 3.30... Abigail returned home from school, and they just kind of hung out as a family, waiting for their dad to get home. So Andrew was actually still at work, and he was finalizing a huge real estate deal at his firm. Um, and he was excited because the firm, uh, the the finalized um, deal happened that uh-huh. day. So he was excited to like go home and like tell his wife. So he calls Priscilla, tells her the good news, um, and he's like, "Hey, can you?" He, oh, I'm sorry. He called his wife Priscilla to tell her the good news, but she did not answer. And he was he okay. wanted her to find a babysitter so that the two of them could go and celebrate. Oh, okay. So she didn't answer and he was like, Oh, you know, maybe she just has her hands wrapped with the two young children. And so he calls a couple more times and he's like, Hey, well, I'm gonna leave the office early and I'm gonna head home and he pulls in and her car's there and he's like, Oh, that's you know, it's not typical for her to not and she's answer. Pregnant. And she's pregnant, yes. So he walks into the house and um and it's like disturbingly quiet. He's like, Well, this is weird. This yeah, is with weird. Little kids? No. Yeah, he's like, This is weird. So he made his way upstairs and he found his wife face down in the bed surrounded with in a bloodbath. Like it was everywhere, he said. And so she had clearly been shot in the head, point blank rage in the head, and had been raped. Um, and she was pregnant. So William, their son was drowned in the bathtub upstairs and his sister Abigail was in the downstairs bathroom and had also been drowned but was also severely beaten. So Andrew, who was once a family man of four, coming home to share his good news with his loving family was now left all alone. Daniel was making media headlines at this time. So going back to Daniel Plant, he was making media headlines. So at the time, everybody was like on the lookout for him. There was a massive police search after for Daniel, and police warned people, like, hey, he's most likely armed and, like, fucking ruthless. So just, like... So they be- already connected him with this. Yeah, they were like, okay, this is kind of adding up. So um, they were like, just be on the lookout for him. So after 48 hours of the murder of Priscilla and her two kids, Daniel was found hiding in a dumpster in a lumberyard. When they pulled up, um, Daniel started to laugh. He was like, oh, shit, I'm caught, and was laughing at the police. So on him, they found hair and other DNA belonging to Abigail and William, and the bullet casings that he had on him were the exact match of the bullets that were used to shoot Priscilla. But he had the wherewithal to pick that up? Hmm? He picked up the casings? Yeah, he just had them with him. Yeah. No, I think the casings that comes they, out after They fall the, off, yeah, yeah, and he, like, picked them up. They were on him. And, like, he had bullets on him too that that were the exact replica but of like, but i think he was picking up his um like his trophies his, no i think he was picking up like proof you know like yeah um, like evidence but i'm evidence, like was yeah. he needed to do i don't know I so just, okay yeah and then the other bullets that he had matched the gun that he used so they were like oh this is our fucking guy so daniel was sentenced to three life sentence um and during the trial daniel of course showed zero remorse he attempted to sue the court 
for violation of his religious beliefs because they would not grant him uh, the material he needed to be able to carry out his Satanist rituals. And he was really okay, upset. Satanist people are very chill. I, they're not. All right. So that there was somebody there in the court that was like, oh, I don't know a Satanist that would do this, this and this. And he was like, oh, like just kind of shut up about okay. it. So all of a sudden during his, uh, then all of a sudden during his appeal for his shorter sentence, um, he then showed remorse and he was crying. And he, he said, quote, I do not have the words to express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm that I have caused from the very essence of who I am and in the depths of my soul. I am sorry. And they denied the appeal. They were like, fuck you. No. So, and he's still in jail to this day. Gotta see his picture, too. Oh, I got photos for you. But, yeah. I don't want to say that's it, because that was a lot. But, like, what the fuck? I really don't want to go home. <laughs> that, the dress, the... The dress. And they said that the makeup was, like, smudged. Like, he had, like, like Lady Gaga album, almost. You know how she has, like, that smudged yes. makeup look? And he was like, what the fuck? And like, so some sources say that he was in the deceased mother's clothes, but a lot of them said he was actually wearing her wedding dress. Like La Llorona? I don't know what that, did you just say another language? It's a name. But yeah, fucking scary. I didn't want to touch on the family because that's just completely. I would be like, burn the house, burn the house down. kids, like. Do you think, how close in range were those murders? Oh, oh, it was like, I'm glad you said that. I think there was only like a small wooded area between the two houses. It was like no more than two miles. And then it happened within like weeks of each other or something? I wouldn't say like two months because he went to, he did go to juvie for like quite, like for a little bit of time. I said like no time because it was like little to no time. So he did spend some time in juvie. He was let out. And then that same day, he stole the two handguns. And then um, a month later, he... So it was probably about three months between the um, squatter incident and then the actual murder. Okay. Because I was thinking, you said Alice was born in the 70s. And I was thinking, oh, it's in the 70s. They're doing Ouija And then it went to the 80s. But they were in the 80s. Yeah. So he was, I happened. think he was around like 16 or 17 while this was happening. Wow. Fucking scary. Stop. <laughs> but yeah, that is the story of Daniel Laplante. I really think it's Laplante. Laplante, whatever it is. I mean, damn. But yeah, scary, scary. Well, that was my least favorite story we <laughs> on here. But like, good. But like, fucking gnarly. I don't want to go home. Bitch, you ain't know. nobody hiding in your walls. What they gonna see? You stroking a rabbit? <laughs> but you ain't got nothing for them to see. <laughs> You know I hear Big Boy upstairs all the time. We'll go check on him. Well, he could be watching me from. Also, above. I don't know if apartment complexes have room in the walls. The walls are so thin. Who's gonna fit between the walls, right? Well, not him. Nobody. Okay. All right, guys. Peace, love, and rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know any squatters, if you know any creeps, if you know any stalkers, send them our way. We'd love to read them. We'd love to meet them. No, we wouldn't. Thanks, guys. Good night, goodbye, and good riddance. Until next time.